Thank you. <clears throat> uh, my young friend Cullum said to me this morning, Dave, no pressure, but you realise you're preaching the first sermon of a new decade? <laughs> to be honest, that didn't even occur to me. <laughs> but never mind. Uh, his better half, Bree, um, just honour you, mate, for what you set up there in the worship time. That's really cool. Yeah, you're an awesome couple, and Glennis and I have been honoured to be in your home with Life Group this week and with Steve and Rach and Nigel and it's uh, been a real blessing to get to know you. That was an awesome word and it slotted right in with what we're going to talk about and uh, that's super cool. Awesome. I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you that uh, you back us up. I thank you that it could be a, a million different things screaming through my mind right now, but Father, I just settle it down and I just pray that every word I speak would be uh, coming from you and that, Father, my thinking would be clear and accurate, and that uh, my tongue would be focused and, and speak in your words. I thank you that every person under the sound of my voice, whether here or recorded or whatever, would be open to you and would hear directly from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Joyful January. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, uh, I am not a super-duper joyful person. <laughs> and in an, in an elders meeting, I, I actually brought the subject up, and afterwards I thought, Ramsey, you nutcase, what are you, where are you coming from? But I thought, well, that's good to be challenged, eh? That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. I just want to set that out straight there. I thought to myself, when the word joy comes into your mind, what's the first thing you think about? You think about happiness, two different things, okay? So we'll work that out as we get through. In 1020 BC, um, the man called David was hiding in caves and mountainous areas in Israel. He was hiding from a, a, a psychopathic king called Saul who was determined to kill him and eliminate him. A few years before, this guy David had, with his slingshot, eliminated a giant um, from uh, the presence of uh, raking up Israel and took him out. Here he is now um, hiding in a cave. And he was surrounded by a group of men who were probably the losers and the disjointed and the upset guys of the day. I think he had about 300 of them. In the middle of that, this is something he said, and it's recorded in Psalm 16, verse 11. And David said this, talking about the Lord. He said, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In BC 432, there was a guy called Nehemiah, and he was charged by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after the, an enemy had completely obliterated that city, torn down the walls. And he was assigned with this radical job of organizing this rebellious bunch of I don't know, religious heretics, you could say, the Jews, into an organized group to rebuild the city. An awesome task to do. He had to fight uh, people that were dead against him, that wrote letters to the king, trying to get him to remove from this job, and he persevered. And he said this after the war was completed, he said this to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is what took Christ to the cross. He said this to his disciples, that if they hung on to the revelation that God loved them and refused to let go of that, that Christ, the joy of Christ 
would overflow within them. And that's from um, John 15. The Apostle Paul, who said uh, in a statement that I have known abundance and I have known lack, I've been beaten to within an inch of my life and stoned and faced every possible calamity that could happen to you. He said this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, it's a matter of being right with God, at peace with him, and full of his joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not a result. It is a cause. Joy is not a result. It is a cause. Joy, is, here comes a, a, a shot at a definition. Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all details of your life. It is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. It is the determined choice to praise God in every situation, regardless of external circumstances. Joy is a spiritual principle. Joy is the godly influence in any situation. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a spiritual force that is designed to overcome and push back against the influence of the powers of darkness and in so doing establish within the church a stronger and more enduring faith. The Apostle Paul said this, I always pray with joy. He refused to let go of his joy. Joy is the God catalyst for spiritual growth and maturity. And that's the bit I compliment you on. Because really the scripture we're going to look at now, James 1 verses 2 and 4, you spoke that out from your life as a testimony. It's a good girl. Good on you. I, I, um, <laughs> it was, I thought it was really funny the way Cullum gave me that challenge about, hey, Dave, you know, no pressure, bro, but you've got the first sermon of a decade. And then, and then um, Bree really encouraged me because it sort of shakes you. Eh? You sort of think, oh, first, first sermon of a decade. You know, where are you going with that? <laughs> You're awesome, Cullum. Uh, yeah, I, love, I love the way um, you challenged me. It's very cool. Okay, so I'm going to read now from James chapter 1. Remember that joy is the God catalyst for spiritual growth and maturity. This is, this is James, excuse me, James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. One of the older translations says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. The Phillips translation says this, when trouble comes your way, greet it as a friend. <laughs> I thought, man, that's crazy. But I, you can see, see where he's at. You know, see where he's at. These few verses make three assumptions. The first one is that you have something to be joyful about. The second one is that we would choose the path of joy. And the third one is that we are determined to stay on the path of joy and live a joyful life. Romans 5.11, and you've got to get this. This is what Romans 5.11 says. The Apostle Paul, he said, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. 
all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is fundamentally about the the word of reconciliation. That means to take somebody who was your enemy and make them your friend. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. And if there's something to be joyful about, it is that fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to get this revelation because if there is a a wrong thinking out there, it is that God does not like you, God does not care about you, you are beyond the point of no return, and that is a lie. That is a lie. I'm going to read that scripture again. Romans 5.11, it says, For now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for making, for in making us his friends. I've always been an outdoor person, and I've always thought in, my, in myself that I feel closer to God when I am in the bush when I am solo kayaking, and I realize now that that is a lie. That is a lie. And what I've started to realize is that the presence of the Lord is with me when I fellowship with you guys and when I fellowship with other Christians and with my family. You know, I'd get out in the bush and I used to think, oh, you know, this is so cool. I feel so close to the Lord. But now I realize that, you know, when I fellowship with Paul, when I fellowship with my children, that I've had a, a realization lately that while I'm talking with people, the presence of God can come with me because I can look in, inside myself and say, the Lord, Lord, what can I learn from this person as I'm talking to them? Lord, how should I speak to them? And it gives me, an, it's just something I've been trying to practice recently to really listen to people. And when I talk with them to have a humble attitude, not what I can tell them, but what I can learn and just to hear from God as you talk to people and really listen to them. And I think that's an awesome way that the Lord wants us to love on people, just to listen to them. You know what it's like sometimes when you're talking with people and you can't wait to speak yourself because you're thinking about, you know, how I can help them or how I can tell them what they should be doing or think, and, and that's not listening. That's not listening. You know, we can listen to God as we listen to people. So now I realize for this outdoor bushy guy that's worked on his own most of his life that I need people. I need people to be joyful with to encourage that joy. Quite often I'll go into meetings with people and I have all these pre-thoughts going around in my head about how it's going to go. And and 99% of the time I'm totally up the creek and wrong. And, you know, you get blessed by talking with people, you know, especially in church situations and stuff like that. Sweet. Okay. We must keep this revelation of being a friend of God, of being reconciled to God. You know, when we believe in Jesus, we're reconciled to God, and we've got to walk through in that. We must hold on to that revelation. Christ is our source. He is our way maker. To live a joyful life is a choice that is before us all. It is a choice that has a great influence over not just our life, but the life of the church. Trouble comes to all of us, but in all trouble, God has grace available to 
to help us in responding to that. When it comes, we can choose to be angry, disillusioned, bitter, which will in turn affect our relationship with other people and ultimately with God. Or we can choose to have a joyful attitude, a God with me and in me attitude, and I want to grow attitude. If we look back at that James scripture, as the joyful attitude came, faith came, endurance came, and they grow. People grow with that joyful attitude. That, that's where it leads. A Christ-centered, joyful attitude leads to godly endurance, maturity, and being ready for anything. Last time I spoke, I told you the story about um, being on a commercial kayak trip and a lady died. I told you about um, some of the trauma um, for that. That happened in, um, just before Christmas in December 2018. Um, 2019, November... Um, the young couple that I worked for had a visit from WorkSafe and they heard, hadn't heard anything from them for some nine months and the investigator that had interviewed us all um, looked at the police reports and all that came to visit um, these two young friends of mine and the decision that WorkSafe made was that it was a medical event, the lady died of natural causes and that uh, myself and the other couple did everything we could um, to help prevent that lady passing away. And uh, it was a traumatic experience, and it was trouble. And it was trouble. First off, um, the decision we made, I, I sort of made in my head, I'm never going to commercial kayak again. Um, I'll probably never kayak again uh, because of the, just the trauma of it. Over time, I came to realise that that experience brought with it a a very steep learning curve. It brought a seriousness for the job, the preciousness of life, how things in a seemingly, you know, we've done some huge kayak trips, travelled huge Ks and huge conditions. This was behind Tarpeka Point um, on a kayak that was probably two kilometres long and a lady passed away. It destroyed any complacency out of me. Um, it made me check my gear. In a Mayday situation, it made me make sure that I had all the correct Mayday protocols on my kayak and my gear. It made me, before every trip, make sure I had every element of gear in my kayak, that I had my flares checked, all my protocols were right. That's what it did in me. And um, I was on a commercial kayak trip in the Bay of Islands three weeks ago in adverse weather um, with customers and um, two, two, two men, two ladies, and you know what guys are like, um, they want to test conditions out. There was a northerly, 30 knot northerly blowing. Um, we were in the back of Motorua, and um, my boss and the other guy that was on the trip decided they were going to take on this 30 knot wind and head out around, you know, and, and guys, testosterone, all that hero worship sort of stuff. Uh, they said to me, Dave, do you want to come? And I said, no, I'm staying with the two ladies. And so I thought, oh, you know, that's a, a wimpy thing to do. But I thought, I said to the ladies, you know, I'm committed to you. I'm here for your safety and I'm staying with you. And that's the sort of thing that that trouble burnt into me. You're there to do a job. You're, look, there, you're there to look after a person's life. And so that grew me. If I had stepped away from that and never kayaked again, never taken on another commercial trip, that would have set me back, not forward. So my example is that trouble comes to all of us in varying degrees, but we need to step into the Lord, we need to step forward, we need to ask for His grace, 
and we need to grow. We have to grow. And let 2020 be the year that we are determined to push in and grow. In, in preparing this message, and I'm, I'm just running down now, ready to close, um, I looked at myself and I asked myself some queer, serious questions. And I checked out myself regarding my joyful attitudes, regarding the way I looked at trouble, whether it be um, in marriage, with family, and nothing tests you more than your relationships with the people that you're closest to, with family and, and especially children. And um, taking it next level, pastors, working with people. You know, so you know, we've got to honour these people and pray for them, and we've got to push each other through We've got to push each other towards a more joyful attitude, pardon me. So I checked myself out and I had an honest look at myself. And I determined to be more consistent in the way I respond to trouble. To respond more consistently in a joyful way. And I believe that we can train ourselves to have more godly attitudes. I had the Lord say this to me. And this is an order of three things that I believe is a spiritual principle. He said trouble, joyfulness, endurance, fruitfulness. Trouble, joyfulness, endurance, fruitfulness. We cannot expect circumstances to bring us joy. We must stir up and choose to step into the gift of joy within us and let that act upon our circumstances. I'll read that one more time. We cannot expect circumstances to bring us joy. We must stir up and choose to step into the gift of joy within us and let it act upon our circumstances. Whether that be health, relationship, business, finances, debt, the whole realm of things. Father, I, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the power of joy. I thank you for the confidence that you are, are with us. As John said in communion, if God be for you, who can stand against you? It's God who justifies, who can condemn. Father, I just speak that word over us as a church. Father, confidence in your presence, confidence in you backing us up. As we trust you, it's going to work out. We're going to come through. And most of all, Father, I pray upon us all the desire to grow in you, to step forward, to take a step towards you in every situation, whether it's trouble or blessing or what, Father. We determine to step towards you because you are our only hope. In the name of Jesus. As I was preparing this, I, I felt the Holy Spirit was saying that, you know, to afterwards make the opportunity for people, for us to pray for people who are struggling in making decisions and right choices. So after the service is closed at the end, if you want to come forward, um, we'll pray for you in that area. But thank you very much. Awesome.